Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 497 on Tuesday, the 25th of October, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan, and I'm all alone this week. Uh, somebody has decided that he's going to be he's he's going to be uh, jet set Jimbo this week. Uh, this week, uh, we'll be realising that some some regulations just can't be met. Uh, no matter what your name, you may have to leave, and uh, there are some things not to say to particular car owners. Uh, but we start off this week with some follow-up, and this is really good. Uh, I was going to say it's really good follow-up. Um, it is good news. Uh, it's good news to a, as follow-up to a really awful, awful story. Uh, you remember some time ago in, uh, well, actually in August 2019, um, uh, a young chap called uh, Harry Dunn was run over just outside uh, RAF uh, Croton in the southern edge of Northamptonshire. A uh, whole load of stuff happened uh, after that because the, uh, the 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 lady who was alleged to have um, uh, to have run into his bike uh, through driving on the wrong side of the road. Uh, was uh, was declared uh, diplomatically immune, uh, shoved on a on a plane and and sent straight back to to the USA, um, which got sparked a bit of a diplomatic incident. It got as far as uh, then President Trump, um, but um, but yes, uh, Harry uh, Harry Dunn's family have been campaigning that this you know that should really uh, not have happened, and that um, a lady called Anne Sekoulis, that should properly be. Uh, should properly uh, be uh, be pursued uh, in the appropriate manner uh, by the Crown Prosecution Service. Uh, she uh, she has pled guilty, um, and as it stands, she's now been requested by a judge to appear in person uh, for sentencing. Um, as it was, it's got as far as the the Old Bailey, so the the sort of highest level of criminal court that there is uh, here in the UK. Uh, so hopefully it's coming to an end uh, and that the sentencing hearing should, will be held during the week commencing the 28th of November this year. So let's just uh, uh, let's just see what happens. Um, but at least there is, you know, it, it's um, at least there is some end, uh, hopefully, in sight uh, for the Dunn family. So it's, it's good news that that has, has got to that stage. It's taken an awfully long time and an awful lot of work to get it there, um, but it's good that it's managed it. We move in to uh, new news, and we're going to start off uh, this week. And it started from a, a thread by... Um, we spotted by Emissions Analytics. There was also a story on Autocar Business, which is a little bit harder to get through to. Um, and it's talking about uh, Euro 7. So Euro 7 emission regulations uh, put in place by the EU. Uh, they're looking to either dial them right back uh, or, to, um, or, or, to simply, or to simply scrap them uh, at, for petrol cars. A uh, reason for this is that the... The um, basically the the difference uh, or the amount of effort that would be required to bring new petrol car emissions down to the kind of levels that Euro Seven was looking for are just going to be too expensive. They're just too uh, the and the, the too expensive not just to 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 engineer initially, but also then to implement uh, from from car to car. 
Um, and the difference they would make, because they wouldn't be around for very long, uh, the difference that they would actually make uh, over the current Euro 6, Euro 6 Plus uh, regulations are, is negligible and not generally worth the uh, not 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 worth the effort, not worth that investment. And uh, emissions analytics pointing out that getting the Euro Six and earlier vehicles off the road uh, should be the priority. And of course, with uh, hopefully with more EVs coming in, uh, prices dropping generally there, it's it's hoped that that would happen. Obviously, uh, the news today that the it's not a story we're going to cover in depth, uh, partly because everybody else has covered it, but the news today that, that Ford may well be dropping the Fiesta uh, at the cost of yet another small car, a uh, small car model, um, won't necessarily help this, uh, which is a bit annoying. Uh, so obviously, if they're new small cars, people are more, like, more affordable. But... Uh, so people could move up to 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 the latest, essentially by buying a new car, you buy, move up to the latest emissions tech. Uh, but you know, just this kind of thing, the 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 the, the sight of things like Euro Seven on the horizon, just made many small cars just not not viable for manufacturers. Um, they're already running at tiny margins of two to three percent uh, on the vehicles. Uh, so uh, so yeah, Ford meant Ford. Uh, rumoring the demise of of the of the fiesta uh, relatively soon so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one uh, once there's a bit more about it once there's more than just a muttering then i'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more um, especially when andrew's back so uh, there'll be a link to that thread from emission, emissions analytics uh, in the show notes similarly a link through to something called the air index uh, so the air index uh, is is uh, is an independent uh, set of testing uh, of vehicles tested in cities in real world in real world conditions uh, and led uh, it described itself by global alliance of scientists and organizations uh, so it's and it uses um, use a specific methodology there'll be a link through to the air index website uh, in the show notes as well Next up, the London ULES, uh, and in its first eight months, it's been uh, it's been reported that it has drawn in over ninety million pounds uh, for for uh, for transport for London, um, uh, and that's over one point nine million journeys uh, per month. Uh, have brought in that £93.6 million. Uh, obviously, it was expanded uh, in October last year to include the whole area of London inside the North and South Circulars. Uh, if you have a non-compliant vehicle, you pay an, a bonus extra charge for entering that space of £12.50 uh, per day. Now, uh, cars built over 40 years ago, anything that wheelchair accessible, private hire vehicles, community minibus, taxis, etc., are all exempt from the charge. Um, but if your vehicle didn't meet uh, didn't meet a Euro 4 petrol or Euro 6 diesel standards, then you're up against it for that uh, that £12.50. Um, yes, we've been saying, Andrew specifically, uh, because that's his thing, has been saying for quite some time that it's very much, you know, it's all about the money. You know, we, we've talked repeatedly about how uh, uh, how COVID and fewer people traveling into central London um, over the last couple of years has really, really hit uh, TfL's finances 
um, in a, a serious, serious way. Uh, and that this is one of the ways of clawing that back as people don't necessarily or aren't as keen uh, to get public transport, to jump to trains, uh, then uh, then uh, then obviously they've been driving more. And this was one of the ways to, to if people weren't driving newer cars, uh, then... Um, then this was one of the ways of, of helping raise some of that, uh, some of that, uh, some of that money. Now there is they have proposed a further expansion of that zone, uh, which will come into effect on the 29th of August next year. That's 29th of August 2023. It is currently in its consultation stage. Uh, let's just uh, see what happens there. But it seems um, that this is this is just a way of of making people who can't afford. Uh, who who can't necessarily afford public transport um, because of the times uh, that they work, uh, who can't necessarily afford to change cars even, uh, just pay more. So uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of this. I, obviously, clean air is good, by the way. Um, I would be interested to know just how much difference this has made to the air quality uh, within within that area, inside the, in, inside the north and south circulars. Um, I will... Be, honestly surprised if it is uh, particularly noticeable but maybe that's just me being over cynical it's quite possible it is um but we'll we'll see what happens i'm i'm sure i'm sure that'll be reported on in in due course and that the the mayor's office and tfl would be delighted uh, to to tell people about that now for something uh, slightly different and yes it is alternative power corner uh, i think for the next few stories uh, but first up is really good. So this is uh, BSI, the British Standards Institute, has launched a new standard. Uh, it's called PAS 1899, uh, colon 2022, Electric Vehicles Accessible Charging Specification. Um, it's been sponsored by uh, the UK government and also by the uh, charity Motability. Uh, so this standard is all about as I said, uh, the accessibility of charge points. It's something we've been talking about quite a lot recently, um, but it is it, it, it's something that's been created um, uh, in in association with uh, with uh, with disabled with disabled drivers. Um, it's been uh, with the did I see the RAC was in there? Maybe it was just motability uh, as well as able-bodied drivers and um and 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 people from from all sort of sort of sort of walks of life to to try and make sure that the physical infrastructure around uh, around ev charge points is is actually accessible and usable and and yeah um so that you know cables aren't too thick uh charges are well positioned that they that you you don't have high curbs to get to them uh that you can get between vehicles at the charge points all these things that we've been talking about quite a lot recently finally brought together uh into this standard so this is this is really good news this is this is this is good stuff um so this should help uh should should help mean that inclusive design uh, is brought in right from the, the the very start of the thoughts, uh, the very start of the planning process. So yes, good stuff there. Um, there'll be a link to the story from Zapmap uh, about this uh, as part of the show notes. So uh, yes, good, interesting, useful stuff. We talked quite a bit about hydrogen the other week. And the next story is, I started out from a, a, a Twitter a Twitter thread, um, 
based around uh, an article which is in German from eurotransport.de. And it's saying that the, it was originally said that the the hydrogen, uh, the hydrogen uh, truck project that we covered years ago, this could almost have been fi- uh, follow up. We covered years ago uh, that that uh, Hyundai was undertaking in Switzerland uh, in association with, amongst others, a co-op uh, supermarket chain there, has uh, has shut down uh, due to a lack of renewable hydrogen. That was later corrected. Um, uh, by uh, someone from Hyundai, um, pointing out that it's 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 less of a shutdown, more of a pause until energy prices go back to lower levels. Uh, one of the reasons being there's just so much demand for low carbon electricity uh, that it was just electricity in general, I think, uh, that it was causing the green hydrogen spike uh, prices to spike, um, and so it was becoming a bit uh, a bit. Uh, expensive. Uh, that said, all 47 trucks uh, have been driven for almost over 5 million kilometers uh, so far. But yes, um, but yes, uh, cost of electricity and the breakdown there was uh, seems to have seems to have did, done it um, for the time being. So hopefully that will be brought back on stream uh, relatively, uh, relatively soon. Yes, there'll be links uh, through to the the Twitter thread, um, and also through to the LinkedIn article, uh, where where Hyundai is um, is is denying and, and correcting the, uh, the 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 correcting the the, the the challenge. Interesting one, interesting one there. Hopefully, as I say, hopefully back on on stream relatively soon. Uh, next up in Alternative Fuel Corner, Arrival. Uh, we've talked about Arrival before. Uh, we talked about Arrival recently, finally rolling the first van out of their uh, factory uh, in Banbury. And now, sadly, uh, I'm talking about Arrival uh, looking to cut jobs and pivot away from the UK uh, and back to to purely being a, a US-based company and using the microfactory uh that they've built uh, just to deliver some more prototype vans to uh, to some of the customers. So, I mean, uh, honestly, we've heard mutterings of this for a while about Arrival, uh, and that, that, frankly, they've spread themselves too thinly over too many different vehicle types rather than actually just bringing one to, uh, to fruition. Um, I hate the fact that this is, is kind of happening. It, it's... Um, yeah, I really wanted this to be a success. Uh, I really did. Um, uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, they just just seem to to spend uh, too much money too quickly. And and as I said last week's show, to to I was chatting to Andrew about stuff. It just seems such a shame that companies that actually that actually make actual stuff, and I'm, I'm I think I said it in relation to British Vault, that actual companies making actual stuff find it quite hard to raise money. Um, whereas, uh, whereas uh, any sort of uh, techline media, not actually generating real stuff, um, companies uh, do seem to be able to to attract money hand over fist, which is which is quite something. Anyway, it's uh, doing this. It says it plans to further right size the organisation, which is always a horrible, terrible term, uh, meaning cutting jobs, and uh, cut cash intensive activities like research and development i imagine uh, to extend its cash runway uh, which at the end of the third quarter is 330 million dollars uh, it's not revealing any 
it's not revealing any any details on how many jobs it plans to 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 cut. Uh, but uh, this TechCrunch article says that the rate says that it's likely to be uh, significant. Company says it will provide more information at its third quarter earnings call on November the eighth. So in a couple more, a couple of weeks more, I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, once again. Not great, not great news there. Couple more, just quick ones. Uh, UK councils, according to Autocar, plan to clamp down on loud cars with roadside microphones. Uh, Bradford, Bristol, Great Yarmouth, and Birmingham um, can look forward <laughs> to uh, to these uh, to these microphone-equipped cameras um, over the next little while. Uh, they'll be part of a three hundred thousand pound trial to stamp out noise pollution and antisocial driving. Uh, so yes, they'll be targeting illegal exhausts and boy racers revving engines. Uh, and they say that if this trial is successful, the cameras could be rolled out uh, across the UK. I'd be interested to know what excessively noisy actually means. Uh, we talked uh, we talked the other week about the uh, the Hyundai, the the Hyundai uh, over here in the US that was having trouble in California because somebody had declared it excessively noisy, but there was nothing the person could do to put it back to standard because it was standard. Um, it points out here that Autocar co- has contacted, at the time of time of writing this, contacted the Department for Transport for more information about the cameras, including the exact decibel figure that's deemed excessive, and was waiting for uh, was waiting for a response. And that was the nineteenth of October, so uh, almost a week ago uh, now. So let's just uh, let's just see. There is a uh, obviously the the chief executive of the Noise Abatement Society, Gloria Elliott, uh, is all in favour of this. Uh, for 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 whatever, for for yes, for obvious reasons, she's the chairman of the, she's the chief executive of the Noise Abatement Society, isn't she? Uh, so so yes, uh, let's let's see. No doubt we'll we'll find out more about that uh, and see how they get on. But yes, that uh, just just how they're going to define excessively noisy uh, will be will be rather interesting. Uh, it's is there actually? There isn't an actual decibel figure or measuring method for new cars, maximum allowable new car exhaust level, is there? I don't think so. Anyway, as I say, um, feel free to point it out. Let me know on Twitter uh, or, or uh, I was going to say, or in the comments below. But that only works if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Uh, one last one uh, before we come to Guilt Minute, and that's just to point out that Bentley is op- opening a new heritage garage uh, at the Crew factory. Um, so yes, they've announced uh, their, their, their new heritage centre, uh, and it'll mean that the whole of the Bentley heritage collection is now kept in the same place. Uh, the garage will hold 22 cars from the collection, Um which currently goes from 1919 onwards, but it should, uh, it will probably end up focusing on car building crew. So any after 1946. Yes, many, many cars. This looks fantastic. Uh, And of course, Mike Sayer, head of Bentley's Heritage Collection, saying, having now rebuilt the collection to fully chart our history, we have an ongoing commitment to add to it with each significant new model we launch. For example, the collection now includes a 2019 Bentayga Hybrid. Um, that's a key step towards the beyond 100 strategy that I think we've talked about. Uh, we've talked about in the past. Um, the collection, which is open to the media, VIPs, and customers, 
uh, also include well includes many other many other vehicles. So uh, so yes, I'm not quite sure how you end up being a VIP uh, other than to um, go out of your way to buy Bentley. I don't know if it's a new Bentley or if you can get away with it with a rather shabby um, Continental GT, but well, I'm sure I'm sure someone from Bentley will be able to help uh, will be able to help you. And probably if you ask nicely, they probably will. Anyway, that brings us to the break in the show. Uh, so it's relatively quick this week because it's just me and it's very hard to have a discussion with myself. Although sometimes I think I almost manage it without sounding too schizophrenic. Uh, but that means it's Guilt Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. Uh, if you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand that you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very, very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Uh, Andrew's not here this week, so naturally there is lots and lots and lots of WRC coverage, which because I haven't really been following along, I don't necessarily get. But the high, but I will put a whole bunch of links uh, to stories, uh, principally from Dirtfish, uh, into the show notes uh, so that you can you can peruse them at your leisure. What you do need to know, though, is that Sebastian Ogier got his first win of the year at Rally Spain, uh, and that Toyota also used the uh, also used this uh, to win its championship title. So, the congratulations to Toyota uh, for being the 2022 WRC champions. Other big news. Otanic, it was going to be leaving Hyundai Motorsport at the end of the season. I think we've said a few times uh, just what a tough season Hyundai has been having uh, this year, and that um, and that with changes of team leadership uh, and still gaps at the top of team leadership, uh, it's been kind of tricky, including a little bit of squabbling and infighting. Um, however. Um, uh, Otanic is cancelling his has terminated his contract a year early uh, following uh, following this season. Uh, despite him winning three times in the the I twenty N Rally One, uh, he has taken the decision um, to to leave at the end of the season. Um, yes, he's had other things going on in the background, uh, family stuff, or all sorts of bits and pieces, uh, which I'm sure haven't haven't really haven't really helped. Um, seems a shame. Hopefully he'll he'll be staying in uh, in WRC because he's he's one heck of a driver to be perfectly honest. Um, so yes, uh, we'll see what happens there. As I say, links to the many Dirtfish stories will be in the show notes, and I'm sure that Andrew will chime in on Twitter if there's anything he feels I've missed, as in most of the stuff that he put in the running order. Sorry. Uh, one last sort of motorsporty thing, um, Bloodhound again. Uh, we've talked about this a few times, uh, but there is another quick uh, quick note um, that it is that it looks like uh, they will be returning uh, with a zero emission uh, focus. Uh, so 
let's just see how that's going to happen. Uh, let's just uh, let's just see what's uh, whether that still comes to fruition. Uh, they've been reformulating uh, fuel to be carbon neutral, etc., uh, using synthetic fuels uh, as a way of of testing uh, as testing this. Um, so yes, uh, really making a bit of a shift uh, to to do that. Um, and just hoping that this is greenlit again. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's, it's been a long story. There's, there's more ups and downs to the Bloodhound story than there are, I, I think. Um, I, I, I think uh, loop the loops on roller coasters at, uh, at, uh, at Alton Towers. So uh, we'll just see what happens uh, with that. That was a that was an awful analogy. I'm so sorry. I'm going to skip past new new car news uh, this week. So uh, most of the new new car news was taken up by uh, everybody's Paris show reports last week. Uh, so it all pretty much went in there, meaning that there is no new new car news left uh, for this week. And no doubt, uh, once a little bit more is known, if a little bit more is known, uh, we'll talk we'll talk about the uh, the Ford Fiesta uh, next next week uh, when we're both back again. Lunchtime Read This. This, of course, means I get free reign in all the fun stuff at the end of the podcast. Uh, Lunchtime Read This Week uh, is all about Mazda, uh, and it's all about the fourth-gen Mazda MX-5 stroke Miata, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, There is a four-parter. It's four articles, uh, four separate articles uh, on the Inside Mazda website uh, from Mazda USA. And uh, it's really cool from the sort of first original sort of concept and model, sketchy models, uh, right the way through uh, how they, they, they evolved from that uh, and how it ended up at the, the current shape. Now, I got a reminder the other day, and I think it was an eight years ago today photo, and it was of my ND 4th Gen MX-5. Um, and I think it was, yeah, I think it was eight years. So mine was one of the very early customer cars. Uh, one of the first in the country. So, um, so yeah, gosh, it's hard to believe that that car's that so old already. Um, it, it really is. a It's a great wee car, by the way. If you even vaguely fit, you, you've got to drive it. It's, it's just a lovely, they're just a lovely, lovely thing. And, and I would strongly recommend the soft top, which is still pretty much most of it is hard, more of it is hard than soft. Uh, over the RC models with the with with the uh, electric hard top, uh, definitely the one to have is the the soft top. But this is an excellent series of articles. Strongly recommend you uh, going to the show notes and clicking through uh, to that. List of the week this week uh, comes from Haggerty. It comes from Ant- Anthony Ingram, uh, and it comes from earlier this month. And it is ten high tech concept cars from the nineteen eighties. And these are so good. These are all really, really good. There is only one winner for me, though, and that is the Peugeot Quasar. Uh, brought to my uh, so Peugeot Quasar. Uh, of course, you've probably seen some of my my, my own photos of of, of the concept because it was at the uh, L'Aventure Peugeot, the the Peugeot Museum at Sochaux in France. Um, and it is just painfully cool. It's a 205 T16, 
uh, underneath, and that's what the power plant is from that drives, uh, certainly drives the rear wheels. I think it drives the front as well. Um, but it's all exposed at the back, and then inside it is just so cool. Um, uh, and it has, you know, screens for sat-nav and all sorts of bits and pieces that were unheard of in 1984. That's what you've got to remind yourself. A concept car from 1984. And you can still, to an extent, see the design language uh, in some of the modern Peugeots. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Even better in real life than it is in, in, in pictures. Uh, but there's some very cool stuff there. There's another couple of them I've seen in real life as well. Um, but super cool. Uh, well worth a, a little browse through and, and taking up uh, supposedly six minutes, according to the Haggerty website, uh, of your lunchtime. That leaves the and finally. Uh, and the and finally this week comes from The Onion. Yes, well-known automotive uh, journal. Uh, and it is, it's entitled Things ne to Never Say to Someone Who Owns a Tesla. I'm going to choose to believe it comes from a position of affection. Uh, but it is it is quite funny. It is it almost made it to 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 list of the week. But I decided I should be a little bit more sensible than this, um, uh, and and it just it runs through some of the, the sort of top. Uh, I think it's twelve or fifteen uh, different different things. Yeah, it's it's maybe about fifteen um, things. Well, well worth a, a bit of a chuckle through. Um, so so yes, do do have a look at that. Well well worth it. Well worth a click. Although. I, Funny feeling, I, just, I shared it on Twitter as well. But um, if you missed that, there'll be a link in the show notes. That pretty much does it for this week. Um, uh, parish notes, though. Uh, Andrew will be back next week. Yay! Uh, and the other thing is the, the RSS feed move seemed to mostly go fine. Apart from the egregious Google Podcasts, hopefully this show and the last week's show will appear successfully. That pretty much does it for this week. Uh, so don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, it's best to get to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And if you want to get in touch with Andrew, search for Cracked Windscreen uh, on Twitter. The pair of us will be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. Andrew Clues isn't here, but all the same, safe motoring.